hey, how are you? And you say, good, how are you? And then I say, good, bye. This is a normal interaction between people who are either acquainted with one another or potential strangers, at least in the United States. And again, U.S. is diverse, but I think if you are from the United States, you know what I'm talking about. The, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Like, the go-to word is good. And then, like, some people like to change up, like, I'm living the dream. But if I were walking down the hallway, let's say, and I see a coworker that I'm acquainted with, like, I know who they are, and I'd be like, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, man, I'm having a really rough day, and, like, start to, like, tell me about it. I'm going to be like, whoa, whoa, what are we doing here? I asked, how are you? Because that's just like, it's the illusion of community. It's essentially saying, hey, how are you? Is like saying, hi. And we almost always say good. And then how are you? Good. And if someone gives something else, like tells a person how they actually are, that is not what we'd consider normal. This is to acquaintances. It is a norm to do this. Why do we, most people do it? I don't know. Why do we do anything? Culture gets passed down. Here's an excellent example. I like to, in between classes at times, stand out in the hallway and just observe. It's like an anthropological study of the adolescent in their natural habitat. Again, I'm a teacher. (laughs) So I'm not just like observing teenagers randomly. Um, I feel like I had to say that. I am standing outside my classroom, teenagers interacting. One kid's walking by. I see him. I don't even know who it is. I can't remember who it was. But I say, hey. And he says, good, how are you? And I just shook my head and I said, you sheep. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say it, but I thought it. Let's do it. Have you taken a psychology 101 course? Have you YouTubed general psychology? If so, you're probably familiar with the discussion. I don't know if it's a debate. Nature versus nurture. Nature versus nurture. When it comes to you, how much of you is nature? How much of you is nurture? So nature is your genes and hereditary factors. That's like... DNA, physical appearance, possibly to an extent, and I'm not saying like your hair cut, but your hair, I have very straight, dirty blonde hair. I can make it into a mohawk. I can dye it. That doesn't count, but my, what kind of hair I have, that is genetic. That's DNA. Obviously like my skin color, my eye color. My body stature, again, to an extent, we'll get into that. 
And then your personality. And this is more of, I guess, debatable. How much of your personality is genetic, as in is part of your DNA you have inherited from your ancestors? How much, on the other hand, is nurture? And nurture is environmental variables. So things that play into that. How much of you is dependent on your childhood experiences, how you were raised up, things that happened to you as you were growing up? Trauma is a huge one. I'm learning this now. My wife is getting her master's in social work and we were having like deep discussions about how trauma sticks with you and it really impacts you. Um, again, how you were raised. Think of your interests, like such as hobbies, your the music that you like. And you might even say, might have some a little bit of pride, we'll say. Like, no way I listen to heavy metal. My dad listened to reggae. Like, well, maybe how much of it is either like when you were younger, a kid you met was really into heavy metal and you looked up to that kid, let's say like an older neighbor, or you were like that uh, rebellious teenager is like, I don't like reggae, dad. I like metal. So then the reggae does play a part, right? The experiences when you were younger, even experiences now, your social relationships, people that you have met, how they have influenced you. Family, friends, teachers, classmates, and then your surrounding culture. We're going to dive into the surrounding culture, but I want you to just think for a little bit. Think about it. I might just get that tattooed on my face. I don't know. It's like my, I say that to my students all the time. Just think about it. Think about this. Ask yourself, or I'll ask for you, how much of you in your appearance and behavior is nature and how much is nurture? How much of you, so when you look into the mirror, you look at yourself, whatever you're wearing, whatever hobbies you have, however you would explain yourself, are you like loving, are you patient, intelligence? I did a podcast series on the process and I said, I think curiosity is the key to increasing that. So that's like something you can work on, but in regards to intelligence, like Elon Musk is just, way smarter than I am. That's genetic. Now, I could work hard and maybe get smarter. I don't know if I'll be able to compete with Elon Musk. Or let's say LeBron James. LeBron James is a freak of an athlete. Also very intelligent. But let's just go with athletics here. Freak of an athlete. I don't have that. I, no matter what nurture experience I go through, like my meeting Timmy on the playground in fifth grade isn't going to like, oh, that's the moment my body changed. No, like that doesn't have much to do with it. But it could be like your interests, your personality. That, and that's, a, that's where personality gets interesting, right? It's like the, okay, well, part of your behavior and let's say who you are regards to like your level of calmness let's say that that's probably connected to genetics but then that could also be connected to like what was your experience like or did your family raise you in a like a calming atmosphere because i know like i've been to some houses where families immediate i went and maybe not immediate but like responses when they disagree is to start to raise their voice that is a, that is the culture of their family. 
that's a almost like a norm, if you will, and we'll get into that. But that's so that person when they leave the house and let's say they get into a relationship, like they would probably be quicker to raise their voice. Is that because of nurture or nature? So looking at yourself, I did a poll when I was in my TikTok teacher account. And I asked whoever was listening, the nature and nurture thing, like how much of you do you think is nature? How much is nurture? And I asked how much of your appearance and behavior is based off of your life circumstances, as in is dependent on the environmental variables, as in nurture, over under 80%. 80% of the people that responded to this poll said that over 80% of what you are and who you are and everything that makes you up, makes up you, yeah, makes up you is dependent on environmental variables, as in take you, put you in a different time or place, you would, eighty over 80% of you would be different. I think that's fair. Like take me, my body as a baby and put me in like Ireland in the 1500s. I'm going to be a very different person. I will speak differently. I will dress differently. I will potentially different hobbies. Could even like my, my stature as in I might only end up being like 5'4 because of what I ate when I was younger. Americans are just almost every single year like getting taller and taller and taller because of like what we're eating. People back in the day were more malnourished and did not reach a certain height. So like that's also nurture. So like I think the more you start to look at yourself and like break yourself down and ask yourself like why do I think that? Why do I like that? Why do I dress this way? That's environmental. It's time or place. You cannot control the time or place you're born into, right? I could be born in New Jersey, in South Jersey. I could be born in a street over. I potentially will have like different friends. I would have different neighbor friends. Like my best friends growing up were my next door neighbors. Who knows if I grew up over a street over in like Master Circle, who I'd be hanging out with, what they'd get me into. That might alter the trajectory of my life. Butterfly effect. Maybe I wouldn't go to the school I go to, blah, like you could really just go down that rabbit hole. And if you haven't, I don't want you shouldn't do it all at once, but you should start to reflect and get introspective about yourself. Like, who am I? Have you ever just looked in the mirror and just been like, who am I? Like, look into your eyes. Because here's, here's the thing. Here's, I think, an even deeper question. What, who is that part of you that is independent of the environmental variables, as in the nature? So I've been, let's say like, I've been given the name Sean, right? When I'm out in a crowd, I think of like myself at the mall pre-COVID and someone I hear like, Sean, yelled out. I just immediately like my ears perk up a bit and I like pick my head up and like look around like is someone calling my name? I've been given that name, right? Like Sean Michael. My mom and dad gave that to me because it sounds Irish or it is Irish, I guess. Even my name. But my consciousness and even my physical body could have 
could have been born into a different situation, like been given the name Joseph, right? The name I've been given is nurture, but my consciousness would still be the same. It'd be my, it's my consciousness responding to the name Sean. It's my consciousness responding to the Grateful Dead or whatever else I was raised up in. What's the consciousness? What is that part that's independent of all the environmental things? Like if you were to take me and place me in somewhere else, like what is that? When I, when I say you take me and place me somewhere else, what's going along and what's staying? Like dives deep into like who you are, the essence of you, your soul, your consciousness. The thing that would travel on with you. I don't, <laughs> I like, I get, I know that's deep. I've, at least I think it's deep. Maybe that's like, yeah, that's pretty minor, bro. That's philosophy 102. That's the first unit. Maybe. But I don't think we spend enough time thinking about like that, right? I, you could take me and put me in a Spanish speaking country and I would speak Spanish. I only speak English because of the place I was put into. Culture. That is it. Culture is the environmental variable. Even like things that make me happy, sad, angry, whatever else. Like how much of that things that make me sad, are they because of like the Disney movies that I watch? Like my, my reality of what life is, like, are they based on Disney movies and like what I was brought up in, like ideas I was brought up in? Because if you were, again, do you take me and place me into a different century? My views on the world would probably be different. So when we say over under 80%, I'm thinking it's higher than 80. And that's pretty weird to think about. What is the part of you that's universal, that's going with you in different scenarios? Maybe you need to get into tune with that. It's like the voice in your head. I was talking to my buddy, Mitch Money, shout out. And he was saying like some people, he was talking to his wife and there was talking like apparently some people the voice in your head they can't hear it and I was like oh I can hear mine like it's a it's a voice speaking to you and then I was like wait can I and I started like listening to that voice that's like commenting on things so it's not like the oh Stevenson's crazy and like a bunch of voices in my head but you do have a voice in your head either it's inaudible or it's audible that is you You've been put into a physical body. So, that was a little bit of a coffee break. Maybe you need a little bit of a mental break. So, you, listener, are born and living in 21st century world. And if you are from the United States, you probably knew when I said, hey, how are you? You say, good, how are you? And I say, good. That's nurture, right? That is a cultural thing. Rewind rewind and place me in 1400s England. I don't know if they would say, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Culture is the beliefs, customs, arts, etc. of a particular society, group, place, or time. It's the way people are. Culture changes. 
Last episode, last week, I was talking about the history of humanity and essentially arguing that culture just seems like an inevitable thing. Humans tend to come together. Why? Think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Our basic needs are to get food. Now, I think I would argue that we're better off getting our basic needs, such as food, wood, or shelter, and warmth, when we're with people. And so we band together and we inevitably create culture, language, traditions, norms, things that are considered normal behavior. So this episode, the essential question is, how do cultural norms and values represent a group of people? And then we're going to be on and off getting into an even deeper question. And is there universal right and wrong or just cultural differences we don't understand? So we're going to be looking at norms and values. Cultural norms are just things that are considered normal, which we don't think about. You don't think about what's normal because it's just done every day. When you go to a different culture, and that could even be like me going from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, and then in like deep, not deep in the woods in South Central PA, but I work in a rural district, rural, in South Central Pennsylvania, it's different than New Jersey. When you go to a different place, you usually experience a different culture and then you start to recognize things that they do or that they think are normal that you're not necessarily used to. Doing that, when you go back to your original culture, your original where you were born and raised into, like the original nurture, environmental variables, you start to recognize things that are normal in your community that are not necessarily normal in others. Some things around the world we're going to be looking at that you're like, that's pretty weird. I'm going to do a um, lesson, if you will, on taboo. It's going to get get, uh, potentially uncomfortable. Like super different norms. Um, But I digress. Cultural norms are just things that are normal. So like, for instance... Here's one. Um, what does what color does a bride wear on her wedding day? White. Why? Well, like there's a history behind it, and like there it's for purity. Okay. Um, and like if you look at an Indian wedding, the bride's not wearing white. Red is a huge color in Indian weddings. What's up with that? Like not everywhere. It's not a universal thing around the world that a bride wears white on their wedding day. Norms in other cultures are different. Handshakes. I'm going to maybe go an unreasonable amount of time into handshakes just because I find this so interesting. So the sources that I'm looking at are like business insider and other things. And they're really used for business people traveling around into other cultures and essentially saying, hey, if you're going into, let's say, Spain, these are some things you should be aware of that like you think are normal but would be offensive to them. Or they they do that's normal that you should be expected to at least be aware of. Handshakes is a huge one, right? So first off, why do we do that? Maybe now with the handshakes. Why do we clap? I've thought about this one. Who were the first people to do that? 
like someone does something very impressive and like think about what clapping is you're just taking your hands and smacking them together to make noise and then when you get like a bunch of people like yeah like smacking their hands together for approval but like why do we do that we're just smacking our hands together and making that noise we're like oh nice and then when you do like a slow cop like da da like you look around everyone's smiling like nodding to each other like yeah <laughs> clapping's weird Shaking hands is also kind of weird. I walk up to someone, I just give you a hand and then they accept it. Now, what is a good handshake? At least, let's say from, I'll ask you then, listener, and you can just think to yourself, what's a good handshake? If you're going into a job interview, like describe a good handshake to someone. I would think if I'm going for a job interview, I want to walk in, I want to, I guess, Whoever I see first, like let's say I walk in, there's like four people sitting at a table. I'll walk into whoever's closest. I'll put out my hand, my right hand. I'll look them in the eyes. I'll give a firm handshake. If you look at your hand, it's like the Nike swoosh. I'm going right for that little indent right there. Bam, firm grip. Not to, I'm not trying to do the full flex of like squeeze and try to break their hand, but I'm definitely not just giving them like a limp little, like let them grab it and squeeze and like, I don't do anything. I hold it for like, bam, bam, a little shake. Say like, hey, Sean, nice to meet you. Go to the next one. Hi, Sean, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, Sean, nice to meet you. And I say, hi, Sean, nice to meet you. Hi, Sean, nice to meet you, right? And boom, 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 done. Sit down, sitting up straight. That is like, let's say the proper handshake. I'm not walking in and like holding my hand out and like looking down at the ground and say, hello. And like letting them grab my hand. I'm not taking the, uh, like the President Trump move of grab their hand, like pull them in. Like that's a power move, I suppose. I'm not like ladies. I'm not trying to grab your hand, like kiss it. I'm not going in for the hug and like trying to kiss you on a cheek on an interview. Are you kidding me? Why? Because it's not normal. But for who? It's not normal in my culture, I guess. Let's say in Morocco, you're supposed to give, you're only supposed to shake the hand of the same gender and it's supposed to be a fairly gentle handshake. Think about this. If I walk into a room for my interview and there's like three men and a woman or like two women and two guys and I only shake the man's, the men's hands, I feel like that's very offensive. They're like, why didn't you shake my hand? I'm like, well, you're a woman. <laughs> what? But in Morocco, you only should give you the same gender. I would also like to point out, like I'm going to be saying things about other cultures. One, I'm finding these on like infographic business websites. So use that info as well as uh, this isn't like blanket statement for all Moroccans. Now in South Korea, the most senior person starts to shake and you use a soft grip. So like, it would be rude if someone isn't my elder for like me to engage. That's like, I'm stepping on their turf. In, in the United Arab Emirates, I start by shaking the hand of the oldest person. A lingering shake is expected. Do not pull away too soon. So you gotta hold it for a little bit. I feel like in the United States, that's a little awkward. You're like, you don't wanna hold it. You'd also don't wanna give like too crazy of eye contact, right? Like, I don't want to be, I pull your, I grab your hand, I like pull in, I'm an inch away from your face. I'm like, hi, I'm Sean. And like staring into your soul, just like I can't give 
no eye contact. In China, you greet the oldest person, you grip lightly, bow slightly, and you don't make make direct eye contact. Like the bow. That is different. Like you, <laughs> just like white Irish American self me walking in and like grabbing someone's hand, like doing the little bow. Like why are you doing that? <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know if it's offensive if I were to start doing it. Like, am I appropriating their culture? These are different cultural norms. And these are handshakes. Like, the amount of options, I suppose, for a proper handshake can be... There's a lot of options. And these... It's a norm. It's a normal handshake. What's a normal handshake? It, it varies. Now, that's just, that's how many times can I say handshakes? That's just handshakes. Like, there's a really good one. 24 American customs that are considered offensive in other countries. For instance, giving the thumbs up. In the Middle East, Latin America, Western Africa, Russia, and Greece, a thumbs up is seen as offensive as giving the middle finger in our culture. Which, by the way, what is up with that? Like, why is, you got five fingers if you're lucky, and you see, hold up the middle one, and someone's like, oh, yeah, and then they give theirs right back. Like, that's what I think. Like, I'm conveying a message to you, and I'm holding up my middle finger. Like, it gets censored. I hold up my middle finger on, like, a TV show, and, like, a black box, come, black box comes up and, like, blocks it, or, like, my hand gets blurry, because, like, oh, little Jimmy can't see that. So the thumbs up, which in our culture, let's say my, I'll say my culture within the United States, so like a thumbs up is like, good job. Thanks. Like, great. In that, in the Middle East and other areas, like that is seen as offensive. Why? I don't know. Why is the middle finger offensive? Why is the thumbs up good in the United States? Like who says who? Right. Like, since when? I don't know. I just was born into this place, English, and I started babbling, and I wanted the cookie, or I wanted something, so I had to figure out a way to convey what I want in my brain, so I had to start speaking the same language as other people. Right, you start. You just start to embrace the norms to an extent, and we'll get into that. And so I saw people giving the thumbs up for something that's good. I'm like, I want to fit in. Boom, me too. I don't give people the middle finger. It seems unnecessary. I found this one. When I saw this one, I was like, that's actually, I've noticed that. In Japan, laughing with your mouth open, like showing your teeth when you laugh, is seen as offensive. I guess like kind of, it's slobbish. It's, have you ever seen like Japanese women when they laugh, they like cover their mouth? Like, <laughs> like giggle. I'm just like, I don't watch anime, but it seems like an anime thing. Like, you don't think about that in the United States. Maybe if you got like food in your mouth, like can't like, uh -huh, with like food just pouring out. That scene is pretty gross. Here's one that I would absolutely melt. It is a cultural norm in um, Latin American culture. So like central to South America to time, like showing up on time just isn't really a thing. Like, well, we're going to start at three. 
and like people start rolling in at like 3.15, 3.30, like whenever they want. And they like start at four. Like, yo, what are we doing here? Like, it starts at three. I, and this could have just been how I was raised. And apparently like Germany is very much like you show up on time. And if you're not five minutes early, you're late. I really do not like being late. I hate that feeling. That, again, like nature, nurture, that feeling of being late, that's nurture. Because apparently in this culture, like they don't really think about it. They're like, ah, I mean, who cares? Laissez fair Hakuna Matata. I know it's Hakuna Matata. Uh, here's a good one. Using your left hand for anything. Like if someone in uh, some African, some Indian... Middle Eastern cultures, if they ask for like, know, like, hey, could you hand me that? And I hand it to them with my left hand. That is a major slap in the face. Why? Because in some cultures, areas, they don't use toilet paper. And like your left hand is your self-cleaning hand when you go to the bathroom. So that hand's your dirty hand. So like when I grab something and hand it to you with my left hand, I like I am being very offensive. Which... Going back to the shaking of hands, if I were to walk up for an interview and then pull out, push out my left hand, like, hey, Sean, nice to meet you. That person who's walking up to me, like they're pulling out their right hand and there's going to be utter confusion. It's going to be chaotic. What's going to happen? I don't know. But you know, if you walk up to someone and you pull out your left hand, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, That's not in the routine. This is not what I practiced. Here's a one that I found interesting. Eating anywhere that does not serve food in like Rwanda and Japan, there are places to eat food. And if you're not there, you don't eat the food. But in the United States, like we are all about those to go bars. Like bro, you eat on the go. I found this one to be like, I'm not judging this, but I'm wondering what the deal is with this one. Um, not declining gifts could be seen as rude in some areas in Japan and China. The expectation is if someone gives you a gift, you're expected to decline it at least one or a few times. Like, what are we doing here? Someone gives you a gift. If you aren't, if you you're like, you're expected to say like, oh no, like, you didn't have to do that. Like, I can't take that. I'm sorry. Like, no, I really want you to take it. Like, no, like, I really, I, I, I can't. Like, please take this gift. Like, okay, fine. And they take it. I'm like, okay, nice. And then we're both happy. If they were to offer me the gift, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And I take it. Like, whoa, whoa. Desperate are we? Did you see how he just grabbed that? That was rude. In my mind, I'm like, bro, why would you offer me the gift then? Like you're offering me the gift, expecting for me to decline it. So then you can just reinforce that you want to give it to me. And we both know what's about to happen. Unless like sometimes the person's like legit, I will not accept this. But like it's polite to first decline their offer to give you the gift. Why? Now, if I were in China, Japan, I will assimilate to that. I will say like, oh no, like I really can't take that. In the United States, if someone's giving me a gift, we're like, are you sure? Wow, that's so thoughtful. Thank you so much. And I like, you got the whole like routine, how to accept a gift. 
in a normal fashion. Like if I were like, give me that and like take it from them. That's not normal. I found this one uh, to be fascinating. In Cambodia, you should not take pictures of three people because it's seen as bad luck for the person in the middle. Where does that come from? <laughs> I just envisioned like some guy, it's three in the morning. He's had like three cups of coffee at midnight, got bags under his eyes, like smoking, chain smoking cigarettes and has like all these pictures of people on this huge wall with like a bunch of strings and like every picture is three people and the middle person has an X on their face and he's like finally cracked the code. He's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he's figured it out. The person in the middle, they they had bad luck. Everyone, when you cite back a week before, took a picture with three people and they were in the middle. Like, <laughs> we don't think that. I don't, like, when I got a picture of three people, I'm not like, oh, I'm shouting out the middle and like trying to get on the side. I don't care. Why? Because that's not, it's not a cultural thing for me. Here's one that I would struggle with, and that is in Japan. There's a lot of Japanese ones. Slurping loudly, like slurping your noodles. They think that it improves the flavor, and it also is seen as like a like it's a way to enjoy the food more. Slurping your food, like like even that hearing that noise just destroys me. Now. Let's think nature nurture here. Why am I like that? Is that genetic or like my mom always said like chew with your mouth closed. So like do I hate the sound of chewing and like slurping because of my environmental variables? Yeah, that is depend. I would say that's probably not genetic. Maybe that's like deep within my soul. I just hate it. Here's the point. Many things that you do that you don't even think about. If someone from a different culture were to look at that, they would be like, oh, wow. Whoa. And they would start looking at a lot of things. Maybe they wouldn't have that much excitement, but they'd be looking at a lot of things you do, like pointing out like, well, that's different. That's different. You don't think about it because it's normal. It's a cultural norm. Why do we, this is a, Deeper question. These So, brief tangent here. Think about what I'm about to do. I'm looking at cultural norms and I ask like, well, what are cultural norms? Like well, the best way to do that is to look at different examples. This is like the concept thing. So like, okay, in order to best understand what cultural norms are, I should be looking at cultural norms around the world, like making comparisons to my culture and other cultures. Like here's another one. And this is changing. Guys wearing a dress. I don't want to say is not normal because that's changing. But back in the day, at least, like that was not normal. So like what you wear, right? Like all these different things. We're looking at this and we're identifying like this is what cultural norms are. And then what I'm about to do is what I I hope that everyone starts to develop. You start to ask deeper questions because we're trying to understand the algorithm. 
what it means to be human, how humanity works, how the universe works. So then you can navigate through. So we're like, okay, this is a thing. This is a part of reality. Cultural norms pop up. The deeper question is like, why do we, why do we do that? Why do we, why do humans pick up cultural norms? Because like, it seems obvious, but there's in an alternate universe, there could be no such thing as cultural norms. Like every individual creates their own normal behavior. It's very unlikely. Why? Because we need a sense of cultural norms increases the sense of community. If we're sharing behavior, there's more order. For instance, like the handshake. If we can have a like expected normal handshake, I think it creates more of a sense of community. Maybe. I don't know about community. Now, it would almost be cool if everyone had like their own thing and if we could embrace like cultural differences. Like, oh, nice. Show me yours. Oh, cool. Now, that would even like turn into a little competition probably. But we have the handshake because that like, well, I I think this is the even deeper thing and I'm like testing out this idea. So I'm, I don't have like support with expert opinions necessarily, but I, using logic and reason, I think this sounds reasonable. Cultural norms are established. Like there is normal behavior and that obviously varies among cultures, like cultures, what the normal behavior is. But humans start to pick up those norms because you need to, to an extent, be accepted into the community. Your life is easier when people accept you and are nicer to you. If you were to, at a young age, somehow be like consciously woke enough, I guess we'll call it, to be like, I'm not doing any of the norms and like you do the opposite, your life, I don't wanna, I don't know if I'll say it's harder, but people won't accept you. And like you kind, if you want to like make your life easier, people, for your life to be easier, people are nicer to you. And for them to be nicer to you, like they kind of have to accept you. You have to be somewhat presentable and accepted by the community for things that like to get a job. If I were to walk into an interview naked and like just try to hug them, I'm probably not going to get the job and I'm not going to meet my basic needs, food and H2O and everything else. Now, if uh, going back to Maslow's hierarchy needs, like the acceptance, like part of being human is finding a community. There are subcultures. Like if you look at the counterculture movement in the 1960s, pretty much, they were defying the cultural norms, but by doing that, they created new norms. The norms are always changing. You can, did I just sing to you? Like you can change the norms as in like alter or not choose to like participate in that norm, but you're probably going to do a norm in another group. Like Gothic people, which not even like super prevalent anymore, I don't think. Like they're still out there, I bet. 
But like being gothic is you are defying the cultural norms, like the mainstream cultural norms, but you're just going into the cultural norms of another group, like wearing black, mascara, parachute pants. We all embrace some form of cultural norms. Now, let's think about that. What does that mean? That means that you have a choice, really. The implications of this, right? Cultural norms pop up. You, to make your life easier and to at least experience the like basic needs, you have to fit into a group. But we don't, I don't want to say half, but it does make your life easier and being accepted into a group is part of like being human. So you, but you don't have to choose like the mainstream cultural norms. Like you can be Gothic if you want or whatever it is now, like whatever the, the new Gothic thing is. So the implications of this are, implications of this Yes, implications is plural, so it's R. One of them being, you can choose. Now, I think about this then. Think about like cultural norms in the 1950s. We had segregated water fountains, as in like there was a water fountain that says colored, water fountain that says white. That was a cultural norm. And it was normal for you, if you were white, to walk up to the white water fountain and drink from it. That... It's something we look back at now like, ah, that's pretty messed up. And not pretty messed up. Like, that's a terrible thing to do. I wonder, in the future, in 50, 60, 70 years, like, are they, what things are they going to look at our cultural norms like, geez, are you serious? Like, for instance, um, the mistreatment of African-Americans by the police force. And I'm not about to get into like whether I think we should defund the police or whatever else. I'm just saying that it seems that there is a problem in specific certain context situations where the police mistreat African-Americans. Not saying all cops. Not saying that they don't mistreat white people. Whatever. I am just saying what I just said. Now, it seems... Like that happens and then there is, what are the norms? Like what's expected? There's a little bit of an uproar and then like a week goes by and then like, I guess it happens again. People are like, hey, that's messed up. So the cultural norm is to accept it and allow it, right? In a sense, it's like, I read this really good book, The Power of Habit and it shifts my thinking of like if you are not working out it's not that like oh I don't work out it's you are in the habit of not working out you have a habit that is something else and when I thought about that I was like wow that's a really good way of thinking about it because like I have I'm in the habit of not doing this because I'm in the habit of doing something else so I can switch that habit to working out it's the same thing for cultural norms in a sense, no? Like when there's mistreatment of African-Americans in our system, if we're not like freaking out and like doing something, then it's a cultural norm to allow these things to happen. To an extent, I think I'm right. And I think the whole nature, nurture, time and place, 
I think people are going to be looking back and like, yo, that was happening. And like, we didn't really do a whole bunch. Like, what did you do? Like, well, I don't know. You know, like the, you can take a step back and look at your own culture and look at what's normal. And then be like, I don't want to participate in that. I don't think that's a good one. Within logic and reason, I think that's actually like probably a healthy thing to do. And I think we do do that, but I think it's a very slow process because we're going to get into like why culture changes and what prevents change from happening in culture in a later episode, more so when we get to the end of the culture unit. But you have the ability to take a step back and identify one, how, what parts of me are influenced by the culture and what parts do I like and what parts do I not like? For instance, if I want to wear a dress as a guy, I should be able to just wear a dress. I like, I'm like. i choosing not to participate in this expectation of a cultural norm of what my gender is. That's where we're seeing the shift in like non-binary gender, all that stuff. I think the same thing should go for looking at our culture and like collectively what are cultural norms and saying like, this shouldn't like, I don't want us to participate in this. Like, I'm not going to participate in that. That is an option. And I think when you think about it like that, the same thing of like, I'm in the habit of not working out, you start to recognize things like, okay, this is a cultural norm that I don't think is a good thing. And just because it's a norm doesn't mean that it's right. Just because we do it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. Like like segregated water fountains. And that's like the most minor thing in our past of our history in regards to whites and blacks. Like l- look at pictures of white people in the 1920s or 30s with a black person being lynched in a tree. They're all just chilling there like it's a picnic because it's a cultural norm. Like that's crazy. Anywho, culture changes. We'll get into that. Now, I got about 15 minutes. Okay, let's do this. So, you have cultural norms and then you also have cultural values. Now, cultural values are the core beliefs and practices from which people operate. A lot of times, the norms are at least connected to the values. Um, values are almost like what's right and wrong. Values are like the core beliefs. So like, for instance, in our Western civilization, we'll call it, It's kind of like based on the Greek and Roman empires, Western Europe. And here's the thing about like this whole um, like socially woke thing. I feel like even by saying that, like some people will will be like, well, what about the people that aren't from the Western civilization, like Western Europe? Like, okay, yes, but the foundation of our country is based off of that. And the United States then is the melting pot, but it still has the foundation of Western civilization, such as our belief of individual freedom, like the individualism versus the collectivism. We're going to talk about that deeply when we get into liberty. But in Eastern civilizations like a lot of asian cultures this concept of like honor like you must honor your family you are representing your family and like you must bring honor to that that's different than a western mindset of like individual freedom don't tell me what to do right like in some asian cultures back in the day at least like if you dishonored your family 
you were better off as they viewed it killing yourself and they said like that would bring honor that would be an honorable thing to do to like bring honor back to your family and they would do it that's not the case in western civilization like they're like whoa man like do what you want and i wonder what are american values or i guess how can we identify values of other cultures so i was thinking about like american values and then well, if I'm like looking at another culture, other than asking them, like, what's important to you? It might be difficult to just observe and analyze another culture and like be able to pick out their values. I think in the United States, our values are freedom. Even though so many people, I don't think know what it means. But if you look at like, I guess for some reason, it's an American thing. Not everyone, but like the the wearing a face mask. We value our freedom and like people don't necessarily know how to like narrow down, like define that. They just know when their freedom is being restricted. And then they're like, hey, I don't like that. Like face mask. Like, wait, you're going to tell me to wear that? Like, watch me not. We don't like, we value our individual freedom. We're going to get into conversations of how much individual freedom should you sacrifice for the greater good of the community. That's the whole individualism versus the collectivism. That's in the liberty unit. But we definitely value in the United States individual freedom, like freedom of speech, guns, whatever else, right? And we all debate it. I think we value money, like the American dream of if, and with that is work ethic to an extent. To an extent. But again, this is like the difficult thing is America is very difficult because like some people don't like it when immigrants come here and they're working like two jobs and they're working incredibly hard, but it's like, whoa, freaking out. Like, well, if you value work ethic, they're working very hard. Not everyone thinks that way. I just want to clarify that as well. I think people do respect that immigrants come in here and work incredibly hard. And that's kind of like... Looking back, like the history of the United States, it was people coming from other areas to come here and work very hard and make it. Now, other people were brought here by force, but that's another story that we're going to get into when we get into liberty. But work ethic, money, getting money seems to be valuable in the United States, like money over other things, and freedom. Think of like, who are our celebrities? Does that represent our values? For instance, there's a really good musician that I used to listen to a lot, Jack Johnson. He's like former surfer, turned to a musician, would tour around and would donate a lot of money to like charities and like just give his money away that he earned. I was like really into environmental things. People barely know Jack Johnson, like on a national scale. Who are our celebrities? Because that, like, does that represent, like, why doesn't a guy that just chills, makes music, and then donates money to charities? Like, why isn't that someone who's held up on a pedestal, like on the red carpet? People are like, Jack Johnson, he's so considerate. Yeah. 
That's not necessarily a value. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff like pop culture promotes its own people and it's a whole money thing, whatever. But you don't hear about Jack Johnson donating a bunch of money because like there's other more important people to look at. People who are super good at throwing a football. And I love sports. We're going to do an episode on sports with my buddy Michael. But if you're super good at throwing a football, you can make millions of dollars. Now, like the best of the best at throwing a football. You make tens of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Who are our celebrities? Actors, the Kardashians. What is it like what does this say about our country? And I don't think we're the only ones, by the way. I think athletes are celebrities in a bunch of other cultures. Why? Like maybe it's because we're all super impressed by their physical abilities. We all wish we had that in a sense. And I us all. Maybe not all of us. Maybe some people aren't somehow. Some people are not impressed by how good Patrick Mahomes can throw that football. Have you seen the no-look pass? Bro. So how do we evaluate values of other cultures? Religion is a major connection. And we're going to do... I'm actually going to do like many episodes on religions and like what we can gather from them as a, with a separation of church and state to understand ourselves better. Anywho, religions definitely represent values like for instance i was actually just thinking about this today i wonder if part of why western civilization is about like individual interpretation freedom of speech or whatever else is because like the bible back at like the reformation was viewed as something that could be interpreted like it you were at, like this is after martin luther like you can interpret the bible and have your own opinion about it and that led to like this all these different opinions and people start killing each other over it. so then the united states is like hold up let's have a place where we can all have different opinions here the quran the quran the quran i feel like now that i'm saying it out loud is as the Muslims believe is like the literal words of Allah. So that's not the same as like the Bible's written by humans and it's God inspired as they call it. And like you can interpret it differently. The Quran is like God, it is the words of Allah. So I feel like there's less interpretation. I, I don't know. So I, I was just wondering though, like is this whole freedom of speech and everything and like individualism, is that connected to Christianity? I was just thinking about that that today, randomly. Wasn't even thinking about it in like preparation for the podcast. But even like Christianity has a major influence on our norms as well as our values. Like it's just starting to become normal for homosexuality to be accepted. It's not even accepted by everyone. Like people still get the heebie-jeebies for some reason. Give it a few years, give it like a decade. That's, it's not going to be a thing. Like it's just going to be almost like how people don't even ask questions about there being a desegregated water fountain. 
Who walks around now? Like, I bet maybe people are out there like, man, that water fountain, there should be two. We need a white and we need a colored. Oh, goodness. Check the accent that I did. Uh, I need to check my own biases. But um, I mean, give it enough time in 40, 50 years, however long, people aren't going to be like, why are there two men holding hands? Like, they're not going to care. It's like culture is going to change. The cultural norms change. Just like like Christianity and religion in itself is like losing its value in our culture. In other cultures, it's completely devalued. In other cultures, it's like there's no separation between the religion and the community. Here's another way, I think, to consider the values of a culture or community. What are jobs that you would be happy to bring a significant other home? If you were to bring a significant other home and then your parents ask that person, what do you do for work? Like, what are jobs that everyone's going to be like, nice. In our culture, it's, are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Are you an engineer? Those are like the top three. Like, oh, nice. They're going to change probably. But like, why? Because those are the jobs that get that money. My wife is a social worker and she, all social workers essentially take care and look after those, the almost disenfranchised people in our community. Like the people who are on the outside fringes that are like having a hard time, multiple different variables or factors to that, right? That's pretty important. We need to take care of people in our community, but that's not like valued. Like that job doesn't make a whole bunch. Being a nurse is way more valued than being a social worker. And no offense, but like why? They're both taking care of people. But like, right? They, the, and this goes back to last week's episode of, hey, I'm not a farmer, but I'm a soldier, but like my job has value. So like, my paycheck, we'll call it, better influence that, how much wheat I'm getting. If you look at Scandinavian countries, teachers are of the same tier of respect and value as doctors, lawyers, engineers. Like, add teachers onto that list. Like, oh, you're a teacher? Wow. Now, teachers have to have, I believe, have to have like at least a master's. What does that say about their values? That means they value education far more than what our culture does. I think what, so one of the ways, and this might just be like in a capitalistic society, I don't know, is look at a culture and look at how much different occupations make. And like that should tell you something about the values because teachers, like while they make it a decent enough living, they don't make a whole lot. Like teachers say, like, you don't get in this for the money. Like, and that's true. And like, that's important. But what does it say about paying teachers poorly or like average? What does that say about what our culture values? If we value educating the youth, perhaps we should make teachers get paid more. If we value the people on the bottom Perhaps we should value social workers more. And you can call me out right now for being biased because my wife is a social worker and I'm a teacher. But like these are things that 
I am noticing are, are important jobs for the community, but are not valued as much. Now, perhaps because they don't create enough income or like enough revenue. Like as a teacher, I'm not making money. As a social worker, my wife's not making money. In fact, we're just spending money. We're spending money on educating the youth. We're spending money on taking care of the people at the bottom of the rung. And in our ca- and I'm not anti-capitalism, actually. You might be surprised. I'm quite for capitalism with regulation. Maybe there's a connection there. Values. Cultural norms and cultural values. Going back to the essential question, how do cultural norms and values represent a group of people? Looking at their norms is pretty much looking at their culture. Values a lot of the times are connected to it. Think about like the handshake thing. In China, it was the elder person initiates it. In other cultures, it's like you go from the oldest to the youngest. What does that say? Like they value honoring your elderly far more than in the United States. Analyzing, looking at what are the norms here? Choosing which ones do I want to participate in? Which ones do I feel that I don't need that in my life? With the knowledge that you have to participate in some sense of normalcy. It could be a subculture, but like everyone does it. We do it so we can fit into a group. One, so we can meet our basic needs. Two, so we can feel that acceptance of being a part of something. But you have the ability, and I think you should, to take a step back and look at what's considered normal in your culture. And then ask yourself, like, is this normal? Should this be a norm? Because until someone in the 1950s, and when I say someone, until really like white people started listening to African Americans in like the 1950s, we'll say, and into, into the 60s, and be like, hold up, it's it's actually probably not normal that these water fountains are segregated. Like until someone did that, which when I say someone, like until white people did that, and I'm not saying like white people passed the laws, but they kind of did, and they're the majority. So African Americans have been voicing these things and then white people like occasionally perk up their ears like, oh, wait, what? (laughs) And until then, it's normal to not listen to them. And I'm not even saying anything about like, this doesn't just have to be about race. Take a step back, look at things that are considered normal. Is it normal? Should it be normal? What do other cultures do? Are they like this? What do I like? What do I not like? What am I going to participate in? What am I not going to participate in? And then even deeper, look in the mirror. How much of you is independent from all those that would move along with you into the next situation, the next life, if we'll call it? Place you in a different time and place. What's going with you? What's staying? And the step that goes with you, who is that? Because the name Shawn Michael has been given to me. But I could have a different name. Jericho. 
<laughs> Peace, bells ringing. <laughs>